Welcome back to Harry the Werewolf, a weekly supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hey, guys. Each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly, a few that are out of this world. So take a seat and grab a drink and join us. What are you drinking today, Lily? So I'm having... <laughs> Just so weird. I mean, I guess it's not that weird, um, but it's apple juice and rum. And then you brought up a good point saying, well, you've had cider and rum. And I'm like, okay, that's true. Just a spice it's hot just, version of that. Well, it's a cold version of that. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I meant cider okay. is a spiced hot version of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. So, uh, but it's actually pretty good. So, yay. I mean, I think the way I've mostly drank alcohol with apple juice was always vodka, which is just like an apple screwdriver or whatever. Right. But uh, rum should be great. Her gin and apple juice is good, believe it or not, from someone who doesn't even like gin. So maybe that's something to look Which forward is to. Some in the weird, future. sometimes like weird things go together that I just would never have thought before. But you know me, gin goes good with anything. <laughs> so today I'm drinking a Hellas from Two Roots mm. because I have to be responsible. It's a NA beer because, as those of you who heard last week's episode are aware, it was a unique episode because I wasn't in it. Nope. You ran the episode with a guest co-host, our good friend, Lisa, and that was unexpected. It was impromptu because I was in the hospital. <laughs> in fact, when this decision was made, she was in the hospital as well. Like, we were, we were like, so I guess we're not going to record anytime soon. And then I was like, wait a minute, you're here. I know you're free tonight. <laughs> and I'm just it's sitting just there like, in okay. pain watching the gears turn going, oh, okay, this is going on without me. And you know what? <laughs> I was totally fine with it because I had more important things I on my mean, mind. I mean, like I said, I hope I never have to be absent myself, but if I am, Lisa is just going to have to jump in again, and <laughs> you guys will have to carry on without me. So for those of you that don't know, I was in the hospital because they had to get rid of my gallbladder because my gallbladder was haunted. <laughs> but to be honest, it uh, I'd have I've had gallbladder problems for many, many months, and we were trying to trying to take care of it without getting it removed, taking the medications, changed the diet, did everything I was supposed to, but my gallbladder didn't care. And this was actually the second time I had to go to the hospital because of it. Right. And this time they decided to get rid of it. And I was in the hospital for a long time. But you were able to record one with Lisa and it was it was one of the longer episodes. It and was, you guys went a bit crazy. We went a fun. little crazy. And you know, I don't I don't regret it. <laughs> but like editing it down, I was like God, we can talk for a long time, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> it was a lot of fun and yeah. a big thank you to Lisa for helping us out. And yeah, it was it was great to listen to and it was it was actually pretty unique because it was the first time I've actually been able to listen to the show as like a listener <laughs> instead true. of just like evaluating my story and how I'm talking or how you were talking. It was the first time I was able to get something completely new as like a listener which was a different perspective and I actually very much enjoyed it. So kind of let me think about the show in a different light, which I really liked. So. Oh, that's good. I mean, it's so function a little different than when we do it, but at the same time, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, you got to listen to me and how um, whenever someone asks me a question, I pray that I know the answer to it. So I actually thought I did a really good job last Great time. Great job. Fantastic but... job. It was a really good story. I'm actually sad I wasn't able to <laughs> comment on it. I mean, I still had comments in my head while I was yeah. listening. I'm not going to lie. When I was doing the research uh, for the last topic, I was in my head actually believe or thinking I can't wait to share this with Chase because he's going to be so scared because <laughs> I knew this was this one was going to scare you but that's all right I'll find something else later on that'll scare you and for those of you that miss me don't worry I'm back and hopefully for the foreseeable future ready to get all skeptical in this 
bring your uh, skeptic charm. Yeah, and I think that's kind of got us up to date and what's happening. So, yeah, you've been doing research for a good long while on this one, so I'm pretty excited. It seems like a burly story. Yeah, well, my the issue was that when I was starting to do the research, I was like, oh, this is gonna be such like a manageable, not a very long episode kind of thing. And as I was like clicking on more tabs and information that was available, I was like, damn, this this is a long one. What you have I stop. done? <laughs> yeah. I mean I had a I had a good time, I'm not gonna lie. But I didn't give myself enough time to really do it in a manageable time frame. Anyway, here we go. So before we I start my story, I have a page a day kind of I don't wanna say quiz. But maybe you can guess, um, how many Americans do you think believe in ghosts? Percent, percentage being, you know, zero to 100%. Like, earnestly believe in them? Like, believe. Like, they are <clears throat> ghosts out there. Well, I'd say since Americans, by default, tend to be more religious than a lot of other countries, like, in the Western world, ours would probably be pretty high. Um, 50%? Close. It's 45%. Oh, now, how many, like the percentage, think they have seen one? Well, that's going to be a lot lower. <laughs> that has to be way lower because, you know, like, for instance, me, I've never seen a ghost. I still don't even know if I believe in them, but I'm open to the idea that they exist. And I've talked to a lot of people about this, and there's so many people we know that do believe in ghosts, but you rarely run into people who say they've actually seen a ghost. But we do see them, so I don't yeah. know. 10%? It's 18%. So it's a little higher. It's almost 2 out of 10 people. Almost. That's higher than I thought it, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're if you're at work and there's 10 people around you to think that 2 actually would have seen ghosts, that seems high. That's a that's a kind of a high number. Yeah, I completely agree. But this kind of leads into my story because it's this whole idea of whether or not you believe in ghosts and your interpretations and how you deal with it. My story for today is... The Stratford Knockings, a.k.a. the Stratford Poltergeist. This sounds familiar. Does it? Okay, because when I was reading it, I had no idea. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever heard of it, or I just completely forgot about it in the past. So I've either heard of this, or for some reason, because it sounds so close to the Stepford Wives, oh. I'm just it, it just tickles my memory <laughs> bone, but isn't actually something. Well, I'll let maybe. you know as you get into the story if I actually know this or not. Okay, that's fair. So I'm actually going to go into a segment of the actual occurrence within the story. Okay. So I, my my structure of how I'm going to tell the story is a little different, too. So here we go. One Sunday morning on March 10th, 1850. Back in the 1800s, <laughs> man. We I know. should just be called the 1800s Horror Podcast. Yeah, That's we're all we just do. the 1800s hoes. That's what I'm going to call <laughs> ourselves. Um, in Stratford, Connecticut. The Phelps family came home after church to find that the doors and windows to their house were wide open. For most people, this is obviously not a good sign, but the Reverend Eliakim Phelps and his family thought it was especially alarming because they knew that their maid wasn't going to be home. So by the way, they're super rich. And <laughs> I can assume, especially even in the 1800s, having a maid. It, yeah, it's a big to-do. And they and so they specifically knew to lock all the windows, all the doors, and Eliakim. Sure they just didn't make their maid do it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they just like she'll do it, right? We'll just pay her an extra ten cents to lock all our windows. Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyway, so here we go. 
Uh, so Reverend Eliakim, like I said, he was a bit alarmed because of the situation and he knew that he firsthand made sure to close everything. And so he decided to go in and tell his family to stay out there for a while before that, you know, obviously just in case you make sure everything's clear. Yeah. And the first thing he saw when he went inside is that everything, all their belongings were thrown all across the floor. Mm. First thought was that they were robbed. Duh. But upon further investigation, they realized that nothing was missing. Instead, everything had been moved around. Items were smashed on the floor. The furniture was rearranged in odd places in other rooms. So that takes like energy. Like, why would oh, you yeah. do that? And not knowing what else to do, they tidied up the home and continued on with their day. In the afternoon, the family went on to go back to church. So I guess, you know, they went to church a lot. But Elijah Kim decided to stay behind in case the intruders came back. Okay. His reasoning was that maybe the family had interrupted the robbery, explaining why nothing was missing, leaving oh. the right and leaving the possibility that the intruders would actually return. So that's actually a smart explanation. My yeah. thought, my immediate thought was maybe this reverend really pissed someone off who's just messing with him. Right. Uh, well, I mean, he was a reverend, and I know that doesn't excuse him from being a jerk or anything, but like. Uh, he was kind of new in town, too, so I'll talk about that, too. Mm. So the evening went on, and there was no sign of anyone returning to the scene of the crime. In fact, Eliakim would later say that the house seemed eerily quiet and that the energy of the house had somehow changed. Now, after waiting a couple of hours, Eliakim eventually made his way to the bedroom, but was stopped in his track by the sight of what he saw before him. Mm. Lying on his bed was a woman completely covered by a blanket. Uh-huh. The arms appear to be crossed over her chest as one would see when a dead person is placed in a coffin. Oh, like cross? Uh, yeah, okay. like a vampire kind of thing. Eliakim ripped off the blanket and saw that it was a makeshift dummy. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I was anticipating to be like an actual ghost or so, or he's like... It disappeared. As I, as I touched the blanket, it collapsed. But someone put a dummy like, okay, this is... Yeah. This is getting very intentional. I was like, that's, I a, think, that's aggressive. I think the Reverend might have made some enemies. Yeah, a little bit. It was constructed out of pillows and other odd items that were made up of, that made up the figure of a woman. And it was all stuffed inside the nightgown of his wife. So it was very specific, I think. This would be the first incidence of many terrifying events for the Felt family. Wait, so, but this was the first one, right? So this is the first. And I put this story in before I even talked about why they're there, like what happened, like what is happening. I just, I wanted to, to capture set, the imagination. I want to set the tone, you know? Okay. Here we go. So now, <laughs> so now we've got dummies and vandalism. I'm set. Let's yeah. Go. Yeah. We got a lot of stuff going on already. So let's now finally go into a background here. Background checks here. In 1848, Reverend Dr. Eliakim Phelps and Sarah Kennedy Phelps, I guess. I don't know if she kept her maiden name, but whatever. Decided to move their family from Philadelphia to 1738 Elm Street, Stratford, Connecticut, which is uh, not long after their youngest child was born. At the time, Eliakim had, or he was 50, 58 years old and already had older children from a previous marriage, but they okay. were not living with them, so they're not really involved. These were the new kids. Round two. Round two. But also, his wife was significantly younger and she had kids of her own, and they were all young. So she, I think she had, like, three. Yeah, so she had Anne, who was 16. Henry was 11. 
Hannah was six, and then baby Sydney, which was their their both combined child. The family moved into what would have been known as a Dowell Mansion, which was after Captain George R. Dowell originally built the house to mimic one of his ships. <laughs> the ship is... The, the so house he, is, like, shaped like a ship? It's not shaped like a ship, but it's got, like, ship qualities inside. Oh, it's, like, nautical theme, I guess? Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's a lot of wood, that's for sure. Just imagining, like, one of those boat steering wheels in the bathroom. No. <laughs> Whenever he's going to the bathroom, he's just pretending he's, like, a captain again or something. Like, as he's going to the bathroom, or, like, if you get up and then you want to play. Whenever it sparks his fancy. That's just weird. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Eccentricity knows no bounds. I guess you except are. Except it all. You are correct. Maybe there's a mini one while you're sitting <laughs> He's got some right next to his bed to play with. <laughs> when he's trying to go to sleep. I got to get the controls. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so like, for example, the only thing that I was able to see, because there, there were pictures, but they weren't great and they were all black and white for whatever reason. And the staircases, so there were two in the, as soon as you entered in the main hall, and they kind of formed a V shape, which was supposed to mimic a, um, Bow. Is that what it's called? Like the, front the, of the ship. yeah, so like the deck. Mm-hmm. I guess is what it's called. I'm, I'm not sure. The upper deck, mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, it, it does. You mean, it you looks mean, weird. You mean the part that has the wheel that's slightly raised, where the captain is, you know, with like the wheel, right? I guess so. It's called the poop deck. Not joking. You are kidding. Nope. <laughs> I mean, I don't know a lot about ships. Okay, but- so I'm not a super sailboaty kind of guy, but I'm pretty sure that's true. And if I'm wrong and there's some like sail aficionados, <laughs> hopefully you're laughing at my Or anyone who's not an idiot. <laughs> but I'm not joking. I think it's the poop deck. <laughs> okay. I know. I believe you. I mean, I have no other reference. So here we go. Now, for the first two years that they lived there in their new home, everything seemed normal. But as you all know, I just told you a story that happened on March 1850. Before I move on, I should also note that around this time, the Fox sisters were performing public seances throughout the country that helped people propel the spiritual movement. Mm. Yeah, well, that's why I think we have so many things in the 1800s. I agree. The, the world, late 1800s, early 1900s, was obsessed with all this, Everything. like, seances yeah. and undead and ghosts and exorcisms. It was kind of glad I don't live during that time. Yeah, well, I mean... And it's kinda, not just the polio. We're kind of living it now because, uh, in my opinion, it doesn't hasn't really subsided. We literally have a podcast that's about this stuff. Ah, but it's entertainment. I think people doing seances back in... Oh, maybe they were doing it partially for entertainment. I think people went there to find out what's, what's going on. Because I do remember, like, reading about some seances, there would be, like, audiences that yeah. were supposed to stand in the back and be quiet and that, the whole time. And they did perform big, uh, like, theater kind of things like they would go on stage perform these seances and whatever things would ensue but see like i'm down to do a podcast where we discuss and muse on the ideas and stories i will never go to an actual seance really never gonna happen the only way i'm going to a seance is if something's happening to me and we're trying to fix it (laughs) we're trying to expel the evil out of you yeah as far as i'm concerned it's kind of like going to a colonoscopy yeah if people need it for themselves, go for it. I have no interest in standing in the room checking it out. I'm good. Or being a participant. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, that's what was happening. Obviously, 1800s. That kind of explains why many of our stories come from that time. And by this year of what is going on with the Phelps, the Fox sisters were already a sensation. So they, not only were they starting to do this, it already like captured sure almost the entire world, I think. 
this piece of information can be interpreted in many ways. I think it could make people believe that any little thing is supernatural or maybe bring into light things that would have otherwise not been able to be explained. Okay. So these things, obviously ghosts weren't invented in the 1800s, (laughs) but like now we have maybe a bigger perspective. We have like trying to understand a different realm. You know, we're just we're just putting names to things that were already happening. Yeah, yeah. Like science. And you know people at the time <laughs> thought that they were absolute experts. Right, right. And just they, like there's people who think we're experts on new stuff now, but there's always in a 30 years we're going to be laughing at Pioneer. And unfortunately, there is people in science who were pioneer patients, and that is just a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> now, with the new popularity of spirituality... Eliakim also had become a bit obsessed with the supernatural. It would later be expressed by people in town that he, or that they always found the situation very strange, claiming that he was a reverend, but at the same time believing in other supernatural phenomena that doesn't, that, well, at the very least, didn't really coincide with church practices. Eliakim wasn't the only person to be obsessed with spirituality. It turns out he had a friend by the name of Reverend John Mitchell. So um, when him and so at some point, Mitchell went to visit Eliakim, and they took the opportunity to perform their own seance in the Phelps home. All right, so I'm already beginning to see where the problem is. <laughs> okay. Because I don't think, I mean, the levels of acceptance and anger obviously change throughout time, mm. but I can still say that there are a lot of very religious people today who would be mortified at the notion of a reverend, particularly one that they maybe see in church. Right. Performing seances and doing this stuff. This is definitely falling into the Reverend may have pissed some people off category. Okay. I oh, okay. I thought you were gonna go a different direction, but no, you're you you could be correct, of course. So here we go. They are together and they're like talking about it. It's seancing up the And they're joint. like, let's do this. So they waited until it was night and lit some candles. In the dim light they began to call upon the dead by asking them questions. But after a couple of hours, with no response, the two called it quits. Ah, uh, but did they say, like, goodbye or whatever you're supposed to do at the end of the seance? I don't know. They didn't, like, they didn't write a play-by-play. I don't all even right. know if they really knew what they were doing, but maybe. I mean, that's how all good horror movies start. It's <laughs> like, you didn't say bye and close the door. That's why everyone always has to be a teenager and, like, doesn't know the internet. Right? Yeah. Later, Eliakim and Mitchell would say that, in hindsight, they did hear some light knocking sounds when they were trying to communicate with the dead. But they didn't think it was paranormal related. So it's just, I'm sorry. Just like when I read that, I was like, what the F? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think it was? Just some random knocking. Right. They were like, maybe it's just like wood expanding or like the house settling or I, you know how people are just like, it's not enough for me to believe. So I'm just going to like pretend it doesn't exist. I don't know why you're probably going to cut this. It just reminded that sometimes we hear random noise. We look around and we go. Did you fart? <laughs> because we're like, please let that be it. Yeah. And not a fucking demon. Yeah. Was it a fart or do I have to get the baseball bat and investigate? I'm really tired. Please be a fart. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not going to cut that out now. <laughs> so now the question really is, is it a seance gone wrong situation that caused the strange events to take place a week later? So the seance took place a week before the whole poltergeist poltergeist situation yeah but that's just one theory 
so the day that they found the home being ransacked and him finding the dummy, at this point, Eliakim decided to go and hide in his study. So now we're back literally in that situation. So he sees the dummy. He goes back downstairs okay. and he's like, oh, hell no. Someone's in here, obviously, and hides with his pistol, hoping that the intruder will come in and he can like shoot him, I guess. Sure. But after a long time, he realized that no one was making any sounds. And he was getting really worried that maybe he waited or, like, he shouldn't have hid because now they escaped and he can't get whoever is, like, pulling these pranks. Sure. So he decided to go into the main hallway and search the house. When he walked into the dining room, he saw 11 women, all in different poses, standing completely still in the middle of the room. Are these dolls? Like, like uh, mannequins, like you said? Or are they real women? Well, some were kneeling on the floor. Others were holding Bibles. And some were just standing there. After the initial shock is subsided, Eliakim approached the women and realized that they were all dummies as well. <laughs> yep. Called it. Oh, yeah. Their clothes were made up of the family's clothing as well. Mm. And again, each dummy was stuffed with random objects to form a human figure. He was stunned, obviously. Especially considering that these dummies were not... In the house before. So the family did tidy up as much as they could. They went into every room to see, like, what the damage was and cleaned up as much, you know, whatever. They they, they would have seen some dummies is all I'm saying. Okay, so side question. So we've got these dummies. Yes. And this is the 1800s. You know, modesty was still a big thing, right? Sure. And so, yes, we are very aware that people know what human forms look like. But my question is, since it's with their clothing and thing, I'm trying to decide are they a bunch of dummies wearing like 1800s garb you know with like the dresses and you know like the big poofy things around oh, the hips and the like corseted uh-uh. things or were they like supposed to be their figures as if they were wearing like a bodysuit or naked or something like that so my guess is they're her clothing so it would be in whatever style she was dressing but in. i mean so so it would have been in her like normal going out clothes as opposed to just like bloomers which would have been right right so like the only one that would have been like a bloomer it would have been the one in the bed that she that okay. he found because he said it was like I don't know maybe it wasn't though I just assumed in my head but anyway yeah so they were in her clothing so whatever she owned there it was and um I talk about this later but he does or not he but people who come in and and look at what had happened they see that it's quite elaborate the way the dummy was constructed and a lot of the items that were that they would have have had to find in the house sure was elaborate as well like Like this would have been been done quickly it couldn't have been done quickly it couldn't have been done quietly and so what the hell is happening so he may have pissed off a large group of people (laughs) all with ninja training and they were able to or rats i saw cinderella (laughs) (laughs) gus gus doing everything gus gus no that fatty's eating you know that (laughs) oh can we get some help no no (laughs) don't ask gus gus oh he's cute Okay, the next morning, the family woke up and were again shocked to see that their house was yet again in complete disarray. As the day went on, more and more events unfolded. For one, the strange dummies appearing out of thin air occurred about 20 more times during the hauntings. So now I'm doing a broad uh, accumulation of things and I'll get back into a detailed story stuff. Okay, here we go. And um, so yeah, 20 more dummies. So I think that makes it like over 30 at this point. And they just kind of pop out of nowhere. So you'll open a closet. There's one. You'll go into a a bedroom. There's another one. It's really unpredictable. 
One thing that I did read that I found interesting was that one reporter that went in observed the dummy. So this is what I'm talking about when okay. I when I was saying it. It was pretty elaborate. He said that it would have taken over a dozen women to do all this construction in such a short time. So I don't know. And I just, I like how he said women. I'm like, I wonder how many men it would take. Like, but anyway, whatever. That was just my little rant. I guess he was talking about the precision in in using the the fine, like. Because a man doesn't understand how women's clothes work. But it's not like they made the clothes. They just used some already made up clothes. Right. Anyway. I mean, so we can take his opinion there with a grain of salt. It's just like his opinion. It may not take that much time. And he's a reporter. You know, when the seance things were occurring, a lot of them wanted to get the scoop. So they had to either sensationalize certain things or, or you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, reporter integrity wasn't necessarily at its peak at When it time. came to these topics, exactly. absolutely, yeah. Now here is just other crazy things that happened. An umbrella was seen floating in the air and then launched about 25 feet across the hall. Hmm. Yeah. A bucket appeared to be kicked from the top of the stairs, but there was no one there. And eventually, all these hauntings would become a regular thing in the following weeks. Random objects continue to be thrown across the room or float in midair. Objects disappeared and then reappeared. For example, while the family was eating breakfast, a potato <laughs> <laughs> fell. The ultimate yeah. ingredient in I breakfast. I mean, I'd be like, cool, a new potato. But it fell from the sky and landed on the table. In just that one day, Elikium and Mitchell would count 46 objects appear from thin air and drop. Damn. That one day. Loud knockings or banging sounds within the walls or doors leading to the outside was very common. The kids would often be poked, pinched, and slapped. Oh, so- <laughs> slaps made it back. Slapped. Oh, it's been so long since the slapping <laughs> ghost has been around. I was starting to feel like, starting to lose my faith. You know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm never not mad at ghosts, but the slapping ghost have always just really irritated me. And so I think that's why I just had to mention, I'm like, oh, they warm, oh, they no. warm my heart. Cause they're just like, like, all right, I'm here to actually cause some harm. Slap. <laughs> like you're like, oh, oh, poor me. I think something pinched me. Oh. And everyone's like, okay, get over it. Maybe you're just made it up. But when you get slapped. Oh man. Uh, you're like, dude, that's such ghost. disrespect. Like, it's not even like, where did that come from? I'd be like, who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. And if more ghosts slapped, because they were pissed people in their house, more people would leave. Does everyone can handle a little pinch here, a little scratch there? It's like, oh, I woke up and I felt a little tired. But if you wake up and you get slapped every morning, you're That's like, rough. I'm leaving this house. I mean, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. And Real yeah. ghost gonna slap. So Sarah Phelps was completely at a loss and decided to reach out to some outside sources for help. In the meantime, Eli had invited his friend Mitchell, so he kept coming back. To see if he could help in any way. Because I'm sure that he's helped so much already with the seance and all. After much deliberation, Eliakim and Mitchell decided that it must be the children who are causing all this trouble. (laughs) Because, uh... They're really good at making things (laughs) appear out of thin air. Because they're all, like, small kids, but whatever. And uh, to prove their theory correct, the two men locked the children in a room to see if the activity stopped. But obviously, it did not. And it was... It became clear that... The kids were not involved, and whatever was happening was totally something different. More people eventually made their way to the Phelps home to help out the family. At the very least, the family wanted other people to witness what was happening and for them to be helped document these events. Mm -hmm. 
One thing that became very obvious though, was that the more people that were in the house, the more violent the activities became. Oh. Yeah, so he, whatever, he or she, many I was going to say, that was unexpected because that goes against my whole, oh, it's crazy. Oh, it might go with the vandals. All right, bear with me for my thought process here. (laughs) Part of me is thinking usually- Is this one of Chase's conspiracy rants? This is a conspiracy theory. Okay, here we go. So going on the- Going on the maybe something actually paranormal is happening argument, usually the more people present, the less weird things happen. Because it's like people can see it and they're like, oh, the ghost isn't working right now. You should have seen it an hour ago. Right. But if more stuff's happening when there's people there, that goes against that notion, suggesting maybe stuff is happening because it's a reaction to the people in the house. All right. That's just me saying that's an exciting... So more of a hysteria or like... It's easier to get away with something if no one can, like, all pay attention at once. I was going to say, but that that was where I was going next. So it's either the fact that more things were happening because people were there helps push the idea that it was legitimately a mm-hmm. poltergeist or, or some sort of possession. But then there's also the argument, if there's so many people there, yeah, more people have the opportunity to make crazy stuff happen. Where it's like, oh, look, I just saw a potato happen here. And then yeah. the other guy's like, oh, and I just got pinched and poked. Or and even like, if but I got slapped. I got slapped. I win. Yeah. I got haunted hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know what to do with that. It either means it's more haunt, more likely to be haunted or less likely to be haunted. It definitely didn't do nothing. (laughs) And we've gone nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, there's more. I'm just kidding. Keep going. Oh, so for one, the strange, oh, wait, blah, blah, blah. So the bangings and pounding on the walls became louder and more frequent. At times, a scream could be heard coming from within the house, but no one could ever quite figure out where it was coming from. Windows breaking became a daily thing. Messages on pieces of paper would materialize out of thin air. Usually, the writings were nonsensical. Sometimes, they would appear uh, instantaneous or had no real information that they could gather to really, like make anything out of it like it just didn't make any sense that'd be exciting to still have some of those pieces of paper and have a modern fbi analyst the ones who specifically analyze for like handwriting oh yeah to see what they have to say about it by the way that would be amazing that was one of those jobs that i couldn't tell if i think it'd be the most boring job in the world or the coolest job in the world <laughs> but i have the utmost respect for i forget the specific name for i don't people remember because that is an incredible skill set but yeah anyway, keep going it's impressive Eventually, the events that took place at the Phelps house got a little bit of media attention. Quite a bit, actually. I can imagine. Yeah. Investigators, news reporters, skeptics, and those that were just curious enough wanted to go to the house and see for themselves. Eliakim was said to be hospitable and allowed people to come to their home. So he was actually very open to the idea. So that is kind of like where one suspicion comes in about, like, is he doing this for fame or like whatever? Is he getting something positive out of it? Is he this? getting money, but even though he's rich? I mean, I don't know. But to be fair, if my house was haunted, having people over might feel better, but we just established earlier things get worse and more people they get over, worse. So I don't know. Exactly. But more often than not, people would experience something and would leave the house as a true believer. Hmm. So things actually so it was more active than not, which is something that you don't really see. No, that's very all uncommon. the time. Right. Even Eliakim's oldest son and his uncle came to visit the family to put an end of all the nonsense. So, you know how I told you that Eliakim had older children or whatever? Mm-hmm. So one of his kids was like, stop making our family name crazy. I'm done. And then Eliakim's brother was also like, I'm a doctor. Could you like fucking not? And so on the first night that they arrived, 
The son and the uncle heard knockings on the front on the front door. All night they stood outside waiting to catch the prankster, but no one was ever there. Eventually, the son was on the other side of the door and the uncle on the other. So one was inside and one was, one was outside. outside yeah. yeah. And they heard the knockings again, but no one was obviously there. Because they were seeing the door from both sides? Right. Unless they were pranking each other. I mean, maybe. But, <laughs> I mean, they were both there, like, irate. They were like, I want to prove that totally. this is not true. On the second night, the two men heard knocking and scraping sounds coming from Anna's room. So I think that was a 16-year-old, if I remember. So they rushed to see if they could catch her in the act. As they approached the door, the sounds persisted. So they quickly opened the door but saw that Anne was sitting in her bed under the covers, or, like, lying in her bed. Too far to reach the door, obviously. When they examined the door, they could see that there were dents and scratch marks. So mm. that would have been, like, quite the the to-do, I think. That's creepy. Yeah. Scratch marks make it feel... Male- Evil. Yeah. yeah. Malevolent. Definitely. If you didn't think things could get worse, well, don't worry. They do. <laughs> They're all dead. <laughs> well. Technically. Seeing as they're from the 1850s. Yeah. On March 15th, Henry, the 11-year-old son, had just arrived from home from school when he was immediately attacked by unknown forces. His clothes were shredded and he was taunted with jabs. Then minutes later, Anne had a brick thrown at her head while she was on the staircase, but luckily it just barely missed her. So it's pretty aggressive. That's that's yeah, That's angry. terrifying. I guess Anne dodging the brick was not acceptable (laughs) because later that night, while Anne slept in her bed, a piece of ribbon wrapped around her neck and began to choke her. Fortunately, her cries were just loud enough for her father to come in and save her. The next morning, Elia Kim and Mitchell went to seek help from other people, like other priests and other people from the clergy, to see if they had any other ideas or solution to end. Yeah, when the ghosts are literally trying to kill you. Yeah, that's kind of rough. So they first ended up agreeing that this obviously must be a demon. They had no idea what it was. They went to go bless the house. They tried everything, but at the same time, it kind of felt like it was just angering it, which is why theory being it's a demon living in their house. Granted, it still kind of ties in with the first theory being the seance because they could have let a demon in. Absolutely. So we don't really know. Fortunately, in the following days, they've now identified the demon. They were trying to like bless the house, like I said. Sure. And it did chill out. Even though they didn't think maybe it was harming them anymore, they still wanted to send the children away to live with family. So they were like still taking precaution, which is good. When the children finally left the mansion, the haunting stopped completely. No questioning the sudden change. The parents were just relieved that the nightmare was finally over. Henry and Anne were also planning to return home, but just as they were set to arrive, the parents received an ominous letter. It simply said, Quote, the good ones say that all is done, but the wicked ones say it has just begun. Mm, I like that. That's cool. Yeah. To the Phelps, the message was clear. The demon was not done with them. By April, Anne and Henry were constantly tormented by the entity or entities. So they've been there like two months now. Mm, Didn't it start at the beginning of March? It's Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the beginning of March and now it's definitely April. Yeah. So this two is a months. massive amount of activity for just two months. It's a lot. Because there's oftentimes, like, the real Conjuring house. We just mm-hmm. watched uh, an investigation into that. Like, this stuff happened over years. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a lot. It's very, very awful. Those poor rich people. Poor rich people. If only they can afford another house. 
So while this, all this like horrible things were happening to the kids, one reporter from the Bridgeport Standard came to visit the family and he witnessed that Anne's arm suddenly jerked to one side, then twist in a weird and forced fashion. When she was released, everyone could see that there were red marks or red streaks across her arm. Oh, wow. Yeah. At night, before he left, he heard commotion from Anne's room. He reported seeing her face smothered by a pillow that had already been taped around her head so that it can suffocate her. The girl nearly died. Holy shit. Yeah, this is intense. As bad as all that sounds, though, Henry still got it worse. Did he get slapped? <laughs> they both got slapped, actually. Okay, okay. Uh, he was constantly hit by objects, pinched, burned, and even abducted. More wait, than wait, 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 wait. Abducted? Abducted. Yes. Like, did they bring him back? Well, or was he found somewhere? <laughs> he was found in different places. And so he was just like, so here we go. And this happened more than once, by the way. One time, there was lots of people around. So there were actually, like, you know, the, the spectators or whatever. Sure. And even a reporter was present. They all saw him being held up with unseen forces and then levitate into the middle of the room and dropped. So that's one. Like, this was seen by multiple people. Multiple, yeah. At another time, in the middle of the night, Henry vanished from his room. His parents were going crazy trying to find him, but it wasn't until the uh, later that day that they found him outside tied up and suspended from a tree holy crap that's so elaborate yeah if this isn't ghosts and it's people these people really suck they suck yeah they're just as they're there's no excuse i mean if it's ghosts they also suck (laughs) but i mean it's ghosts but but yeah yeah exactly he was also thrown into a cistern that was full of water one night he was found bound in a closet laying on top of a shelf with a noose around his neck that one kind of reminded me of The Conjuring. Do you remember that? Yeah, they really want to get rid of this They kid. just did not like Henry. I don't know why. They need to get the fuck out of there. Thank you. You are correct, sir. I think so. During these events, like I mentioned before, there were tons of people that came to the house, not just to observe, but to try and help as well. They also had some seances performed to see if they could find out what was haunting them. At one point, they asked, uh, what do you want? And the reply was, a slice of pie. (laughs) (laughs) Unsure if they heard correctly, they asked again, and it replied, I want a glass of gin. So, upgrade. Then they asked, why are you haunting the family? And it replied, for fun. Aside from these moments, most of the responses were less than polite, um, basically very threatening and foul in nature, so I'm not going to really say all of that, but I'm sure you get but these the... these were the nice ones? These were the nicer ones, yeah. High gin and fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that does sound kind of fun. But anyway, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Many months have passed, and by this point, the family was completely all out of ideas. They decided to move out. So here we go. Finally. <laughs> but decided to wait until after winter. Wait, wait, wait. I don't know. I don't know why. You said April. This is... That's spring. So that is spring. Yeah, they have to. So they summer, decided after fall. all this, you know, they're like, "Oh, our kid is being, you know, we're seeing him wake Dying. up with nooses and everything." Happened several times in the last month, but we could do another nine months of this. Well, yes, this is until one night, Eliakim received a note 
that appeared before him that asked, when is the family leaving the house? Eliakim grabbed a piece of paper and replied October 1st. So he like moved up the date because he was like, this is getting really creepy now, I guess, because he's being attacked. Um, <laughs> sticking to his words, the family moved out of the house, but Eliakim did stay behind to finish off their affairs. While he was alone in the house, everything seemed quiet and peaceful. Either the entities had left or they were no longer interested in him. Or they knew he was leaving. And, and just, just were like, like, whatever. Yeah. Gotta pack our so, bags. So none of the kids died. No, no, no. Everyone's alive. As far with as these 1800s events. As was concerned. Exactly. <laughs> they were fine. The Phelps lived in Philadelphia for a couple of months, but then returned to Stratford in the summer of 1851. So they, they left, but then they had... Okay, so I didn't write this down, but I do remember reading this. In just one of the articles, it mentioned that they did have a caretaker, and that caretaker was like, there's like nothing going on here. You know, they kept asking him, like, oh, have you like heard the whole anything? time he was like... The whole time, like all those months that he was kind of just taking care of the house, he never felt anything, he was never attacked. And so Eliakim, I guess, was like, well, I guess we can return because they're, they're gone. And that was the reasoning. That was the only reasoning. Now, when they arrived, the family could feel that the house was completely different. They lived there for about another seven years... Oh, so they left, came back, and then got seven years out of it. And they got seven years out of it. It wasn't until Sarah, unfortunately, became ill in 15, or sorry, in 1858 and died. Elikum eventually sold the house, and then he moved to New Jersey. So he just didn't want to live there anymore at all. The house would have several homeowners afterwards, and they would all say that they never experienced any hauntings. It's very interesting that, how long were they gone before they came back? Um, it was like, I want to say at least three months, four months. All it was was three months? Yeah, because like the, if they left in October and they came back in 1851, it's not that many months until the next year. So I'm not really sure when in 1851. I think it was early spring, actually. So maybe five months. So fishy. Yeah. Um. So here is a few theories I just want to run by real quick because I'm like talking about what is going on. I don't know. But one that you even said before I mentioned it was poltergeist or psychokinesis. We talked about this a lot in episode 37 and 38 when we talked about the Battersea poltergeist. Yeah. If you recall. I do. Yay. And in the Battersea poltergeist and this story have a lot of similarities. There are like specific people being targeted. And it turns out that Sarah Phelps, uh, the wife, was never happy about moving to Stratford. It's a theory that her negative energy manifested into these physical attacks. Some believe that the home may have already harbored some bad energy, and in combination with Mrs. Phelps' torment, it basically created the perfect storm for unrestfulness kind of thing. And Anne also suffered from anxiety, and with that, it totally contributed to the hurtful episodes that her and her uh, brother because they were in vulnerable states they were just like vulnerable and they were also like i don't know maybe they have more power than they realized so you're telling me they got really healthy mentally in three months i guess so they just had to leave and then you know take a little break <laughs> if only mental health worked as <laughs> as efficiently as that <laughs> i wish <laughs> so there's also another fun little thing of or rather a theory and it's the local lore of goody bassett she was unjustly hung in 1651 after being accused of witchcraft. There's very little information that I was able to find on her. The only concrete info I got was from the New Haven Colony records, 
that stated, quote, the governor, Mr. Culloch, and Mr. Clark are desired to go down to Stratford to keep court upon the trial of Goody Bassett for her life because Goody Bassett was condemned, end quote, indicating that she was, that she had quote unquote confessed, but what that really translated at the time was that she was tortured until and she, coerced. and then, right, right, right. So she confessed after she was in near death anyway. It's debated as to where her body was actually buried, but definitely one popular opinion is that it's on the Phelps property. Of course. So, obviously. This is sounding a lot like the first Conjuring movie, a little <laughs> bit. I'm wondering if there was some influence uh, here. There may be. Very maybe. But and isn't there something a little bit interesting about an evil presence being named Goody? Goody. Well, actually, so I learned, and I think it's kind of weird. I don't know what, if that's her first name, but in other articles it said Goodwife Bassett. So I don't know if they were if if they were addressing her because she was a wife, and then her name was Bassett, or is is Goody a name? I don't know. It just it was different. Like I couldn't really. I make feel out. like I have thoughts, but I don't know if any of them are accurate. So I'm gonna hold my tongue because that's something <laughs> I'm just gonna have to Google and figure out. I was gonna say I was like a quick Google would probably answer that, and I did not do that. So here we go. Keep me from sounding like an idiot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank Google. You, Google. Helping idiots stop idioting. <laughs> Now, they, after I learned about this, I kind of like just tried to Google Stratford and I was looking around and it turns out one of the fun facts here is that there's an ice cream parlor in Stratford that's named Goody Bassett oh, nice. in her honor. Isn't that cool? Just sweeties, sweet Sweets, candies and... Sweet sugars and, and witchcraft. I love that. <laughs> they go together so well. <laughs> that's my kind of combination. Now, today... And when I say today, I mean uh, from the 1940s to now. The property was eventually purchased by Mrs. Maud Thomas, who converted it to a nursing home in the 40s. It wasn't until these new residents moved in that the hauntings began. Whoa, they came back? It started up. Oh, man. Do people know the history <laughs> of this building at the time? I mean, they did, but a lot of people owned it before, and they're like, maybe okay. it was just BS. I don't know. Okay. From what I read, it didn't seem like it really ever escalated to the level of physical violence it had been before with the children. But here are some of the things that did occur. People felt like they were being watched, constantly feeling uneasy. Alarms would go off on their own. Objects move around in the room, hearing strange noises when no one else was around. But despite this, the nursing home stayed open for several decades. So naturally, it had gained some attention over the years. Those don't sound like really they, bad. They were like your common, just not, you know, not specific, but. And not to sound like a jerk, the things moving around could easily be forgetfulness. Because <laughs> it's an old home, like an old people home. I'm already forgetting where I put stuff, and I'm <laughs> in my 30s. So I don't think but it's unrealistic to think that people who need assisted living might misplace There's things. a difference between. You misplacing something and realizing you're an idiot and then <laughs> misplacing something and being like, why would that even fucking be there? Do you know what I'm saying? It's true. Yeah. So here, uh, well, the thing is, is that it did get enough attention, though, that even Ed and Lorraine Warren went to go investigate themselves. I don't have a lot of stories from that. Like, I'm not going to talk about that a whole lot, but they did find it appealing enough for them to be there. Did they say they saw anything? or? Oh, well, they kind of always do. But... Yeah, it's kind of their thing. <laughs> if they show up, they see something. I mean, it's like their thing. That's how they get paid. Yeah. 
It wasn't until a fire broke out in 1970 that caused the place to shut down. It didn't completely burn down. It was just enough that it wasn't... They didn't want to repair it. Yeah, they were like, whatever. So while it was abandoned, police had been called several times to the mansion because there were squatters. In 1971, police were again called in, but this time it was because people were seeing and hearing strange activity within the house. Like from nearby? So or someone was like now squatting like, and said, re- <laughs> <laughs> Officer, my, my little squat pit is haunted. It was like haunted. a squatter calling it, what a twist. It was like... <laughs> That's when you know they're legitimately scared. They're like, scared. oh, hell no. Like, and yeah. yeah. But I, I'm not sure. It was just, there were other people probably in the in the vicinity. Assuming it was another intruder, police searched the premises. While in the main hall, they heard someone running towards them. And before they knew it, a little girl swooped past them and ran up the stairs. Oh. Yeah. Obviously concerned for her well-being, police rushed after her. When they reached the third floor... Little ghost girl, are yeah. you okay? <laughs> Do you need help? Um, they could see the girl was not far ahead, but then they stopped in their tracks as they saw that she was slowly fading away. That's creepy. That is creepy. In 1974, someone purchased the property, but they had no intentions of restoring the home. Instead, they tore it down, and when you inevitably Google this, like I did... You'll see that it now looks like a normal residential street, a uh, very well-to-do residential street. It's very beautiful, giant homes. But unlike a lot of my other haunting stories, there's nothing left to see. Aww. I'm just so <laughs> glad they didn't build, like, an Arby's there. Yeah. Because <laughs> that truly would be the worst ending. Now that <laughs> is the true crime <laughs> yeah. of this episode. <laughs> Tore down the haunted house, put up an Arby's, take that, demons. Yay. Okay, I Actually, really like that one. Actually, that would be really cool to get back at a demon. Like, fine, here's a McDonald's, bitch. So, <laughs> here's some thoughts. The disappearing for a few months and then coming back and staying for seven years isn't sitting right with me. Right, I agree. I don't like that. Weird stuff happening as an old folks home, though, that intrigues me. Uh, I was hoping it was going to be like a place that people do tours of now. I get uh, why it's not. We can't have too many of those in the world. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'd love to see a Google Earth picture of it's, this place. It's a beautiful, like, just the town itself is really How pretty. But Connecticut is pretty. Because if you said old folks home, I'm assuming it was tending to more than like four people. So it wouldn't yeah. have been just a normal house. I, it's a very big mansion. Like I said, because it was torn down, there aren't any modern pictures. And I don't know. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't pictures, find. Right? Yeah. So there's old pictures. There's one from the inside, or a couple that from the inside that I saw, and from the outside, it looks a bit like a big mansion. I just, you know, you, you know what that means. Many rooms. So it's really, it was really amazing. It's, Slapping it's insane. ghosts. Slapping ghosts. And I kind of see why now. Maybe I had not heard it at at the very least in recent times, because usually a lot of the stories that we all are very familiar with is because current paranormal investigators are going to them right now and this is gone and there's nothing to go to so no one's talking about it mm, that kind of makes it a little more intriguing though because yeah. it's, it's so gone all you can do is muse on it you only have your to, stories yeah. yeah i mean i'm sure if it was still around there'd be tons of pictures of orbs but uh yeah <laughs> but we gotta stick with what we got yeah all right, so. that was a solid episode. So Woo-hoo. don't turn off the podcast just yet. I got a little something for you, but we're going to take a quick break and refresh our drinks. We'll see you in a few seconds. Okay, so we're back. I have my drink, and Chase has another 
NA drink, but this one's like a really cool one. It's like your Guinness one, it's isn't it? It's the NA Guinness, which is the best yeah. NA beer I've ever had. I just had to move to it. I just love it. I'm drinking out of my Guinness pint, so I feel all fancy and decadent. <laughs> all right. Decadent. So this is a catch up because I've, you know, it's been several weeks since I've been on here and a lot of stuff has happened in the news. So it's time for me to discuss some of the supernatural and crazy stuff that may or may not be actually happening, but has been covered in the news. So, let me just first off say, it is my pleasure to report to all our listeners that once again, only people who don't know how to use cameras have been chosen by fate to bear witness to the most amazing things on this earth. A recent article on the heavily reviled Daily Mail news site suggested that a recent video could be proof that the Loch Ness Monster in (gasps) fact exists. Oh my God. It actually goes as far as to say, quote, Experts described it as the most compelling footage to emerge in the last 20 years, end quote. They did not specifically say what they meant by experts. So, okay. (laughs) So for those of you, just real quick thing. I I can't imagine you're listening to this podcast and you've never heard of Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. But just... Super quick, because one day I'm sure we'll do it heavily in 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 an episode. Oh, there'll be many stories. But uh, uh, Loch Ness, and Loch is another word for lake in Scotland. Loch Ness is a is a very long, elongated lake in northern Scotland. It's about a one and a half miles wide, but it's like twenty three miles long. It is also incredibly deep, and I think it's the largest reservoir of freshwater in the entire British Isles. I think so. Yeah. So it's 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 massive and. There was, you know, famous photo taken a long time ago, very blurry, very crappy, (laughs) that looked like some sort of, like, monster head, you know, kind of like a brontosaurus head coming out of the water. And people now believe that there might be a monster or monsters living in the loch, and they gave it the Loch Ness Monster, and for short, Nessie. I like Nessie. So me and Lily have actually been to Loch Ness, and it was it's so beautiful up there. In fact, my favorite place I went to in Ireland was Inverness, which is the city right at yeah. north of there, the the river. And Inverness was cool. Inverness really was amazing. Yeah. It was my favorite place. <clears throat> and Loch Ness is a beautiful place. It was so neat to go to. So, you know, I, I now have a particular obsession with these stories because, you know, we obviously didn't see anything. <laughs> we, Despite my pictures. I even bought my Polaroid. I was like, if something's going to show up, it's when I take a Polaroid. So she took a Polaroid and I drew Nessie in it. Yeah, that was best. So, just so, so it worked. <laughs> so before you get concerned that you haven't seen the video I'm about to discuss, don't worry because you didn't miss a damn thing. I actually watched far more ads than I did footage trying to see this video and you don't need to see it. <laughs> it is incredibly dull Aww. and it clocks in around two and a half minutes and appears to look at the lock from behind Urquhart Castle, the castle we went to. Yes. In fact, the footage is really far behind the castle. Almost about as far what? as you can get away Wait, from Wait, what? Lock. Oh, That yeah. far? So far. It's not like the castle. I mean, the castle was right there, but... So do you remember when we were there, there was kind of like this hotel up the hill? Oh, yes. As far as I can tell, the person taking it was like, like on their balcony or just out the window uh... from the hotel. Very far away. So the the locket, as I said earlier, is a mile and a half wide, but it looked dinky in this. So they were really far away. Great. And as far as I can tell, it is cell phone footage, you know? But so, like an iPhone or like it is one from the phone. 2000s? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a smartphone, I'm pretty okay. sure. Uh, 
everything high res and everything but at that distance the res only goes so far so the big issue is even with the nice new phones it doesn't have very good zoom and i don't even think they tried to zoom no i don't yeah. so they're looking at the water and at least to give credit where credit is due i don't want to sound like i'm crapping on the people who made this footage they at least didn't have like shaky arthritic hands yeah because the the, the camera <laughs> is relatively stable oh, it that's look like cool. an earthquake is happening which is nice but that doesn't mean they were very good at focusing on something because the camera kept looking to the left and up and not keeping what we're supposed to be looking at even in the because center of, of the frame. Because of the zoom, right? Because it's hard. It wasn't even zoomed in. It oh, it was so not distant. at all. Yeah. Oh, that's even worse. So it was incredibly frustrating even though the footage wasn't shaky. So what was in the footage that we were supposed to be looking at? Well, the footage is of a wake trail. Now, awake just refers to a change in water you see when something off an assault mm -hmm. object disturbs its flow or surface viscosity. When you see a boat moving and it creates that V pattern behind it, oh, that's awake. And pretty much everything in water creates awake, more so when the water is moving fast. It can be a duck, it can be a log, it can be a tree under the water, it can be a fish getting to the surface. Something breaking the surface tension creates awake. So there's a million things that can cause this wake. Over the course of the two and a half minutes, we see the wake moving in a northerly direction, which from this camera angle means left, and then it slowly veers off to the side. The footage was allegedly taken at 6 a.m. on a Monday when the water was particularly calm. There were no boats, there were no people uh, out there, anything like that. Yeah. The couple who filmed it claim, and let me, let me give credit to them, they chose to remain anonymous, they're not looking for fame, they said they don't even know they, they don't even know if they believe in the Loch Ness monster. They just thought this was interesting and they figured they wanted experts to look at it. So they're not fame claimers, which means They put some credit to it, I think. I don't maybe. know if it gives it credit, but it means I'm no longer immediately thinking it's someone trying to Which I think is credit because alter like, footage is right. right. I'm so more worried about being the footage more being legitimate. Benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah, I at least believe the footage they gave me is legit as opposed to it being doctored in some form. So the couple claims, quote, we don't know what the creature was. It was propelling itself with something. It wasn't how a fish would do it. You could see it much clearer than it's come out in the photos. The lumps or humps or whatever they are kept disappearing under the water, but it was still pushing forward under the water. From what we could gauge, it was between 20 and 30 feet. <gasps> end Ooh. So... Okay. Uh, now I definitely want to see the video. I, I can show it to you. And yeah. I'll, I'll see if we can post a link, but it's going to be to the news site because I couldn't even find it on YouTube. I had to watch it through the news site. Aw. It's, hence all the ads. So it's convenient that they claim you could see more with the naked eye that didn't show up in the photos because none of that is visible in the video. Okay. You can see a wake and maybe some slight, uh, I would even argue you can't even see darkness at the front of the wake of something creating it. It just looks like a awake being created almost invisibly so they say you can okay. see with your eyes and i do know what it's like you know when you try to take a picture of the moon and when you can see with your eyes things do look differently but the footage had nothing useful in it that is such a fucking bummer so the wake just feels unexplained and by unexplained i don't mean anything crazy either it could honestly be normal stuff loch ness at least compared to most other lakes i've seen and been to is really fast it had yeah. a really fast flow rate. The Are river you kidding going into me? It was, it was super super fast. scary fast for me. Exactly. 
I would say it's bordering on calling it a tidal lake, meaning you yeah. know, there's a lot going on. And yes, this footage was on a relatively calm, but it still got. I mean, it's probably a, a normal river, but like, like river-ish kind of thing. But yeah. the fact that it was a lake, I was like, damn, it's like pretty damn fast. Yeah. Yeah, and when you the lake that leads into it uh, further, that was a really fast lake when we were walking along. Yeah. I know the river, not lake. Right. So I remember two distinct things about the water when we were there. Because we were able to go up, when we were at the castle, we were actually able to go up to kind of like a little shoreline. And I even took off my shoes and put my feet in the water. Yeah, I remember picking, and I, I took some rocks. You took some rocks? <laughs> some little rocks. Thankfully, it wasn't Hawaii, so we're okay. Right. Uh, but the, the, the first thing I noticed when I was there was that the water was amazing. It felt good. It was cool. It was crisp. It looked mm, great. Okay. And it had a specific smell. I, in my research, found out it's because that lake has a significant amount of peat in it. I didn't know why oh. it smelled differently, but it smelled differently in a really good way. Nice. But the second thing that I noticed was that I would be really nervous to go out swimming in it. Not because of monsters, but because I'd be pretty sure if I swam out, by the time I got back to shore, I would be like a half a mile down. Yeah. Because it would just have carried me away. I don't think you would drown, but like, it would just be really inconvenient to get back. Exactly. So I think the reason this is relevant is that it means that even a small creature under the surface, like a fish, could have caused a wake if it's trying to get stuff on the surface of the water. That okay. th There's so, so much velocity in the water that you're going to be able to see a noticeable wake even with a small thing. You know, it doesn't have to be a big object to create a very noticeable wake. It has to be big enough, though. I mean, like, I know the faster, but that also correlates with how big it is. So if you can somehow at least gather how fast the the lake was flowing or whatever then maybe you can determine how big the object would have what it had True. been but. so they claim it was 20 to 30 feet long my opinion and i am a non-expert <laughs> so my opinion means more and a non-believer <laughs> no, we'll get to that oh uh i would say that a human would create a bigger wake oh really okay um, a considerably bigger wake i think the 20 30 feet was just way out there they were far away and i know how big that castle is it's not very big i know it just didn't seem that big so what okay. could it have been on the surface so it could easily have been fish or something like that but it is important to note that there are two things that live in loch ness and a lot of the locks around there that is one exist. of them otters no, no no oh seals have been known to get in there because or something like they that. come from the North Sea yeah. and they can get in. And they, so seals have been spotted there before. Aww. And those are big. But no, I don't mean something even that big. There are tons of eels and lampreys in Ugh. Loch Ness. Oh, and man. they come to the surface. So imagine Nessie, which is seen as kind of like a long-headed thing. It, it's not that different from seeing an eel. Man, now that really explains the head that we've always seen. It could have been like an eel being freaking out and just like jumping out of the water or something. I don't know if they do Assuming that. Assuming it was a real photo. Well, that's also fair. But so, if it was, they could have picked a different shape because now I'm thinking eel. Yeah, and so let's say these people really did see something below the surface and said it didn't look like a fish. Well, eels swim weird. They do. They can kind of have this weird corkscrewy snake thing going mm -hmm. on. So imagine there was an eel towards the surface for just a couple minutes going against the tide it would have been below the surface. It, almost... it might have looked slightly darker. Yeah. It, it's a very reasonable thing to think that, oh, maybe they saw an eel or a lamprey. And, they and... and the way they, they, you're right, the way they do swim seems more aggressive. Absolutely. Um, it's just like a swirl. It's really weird. It'll look weird. And what yeah. if there were like insects towards the surface and everything? Boom, yeah. it's going to try to go for it. So now the couple did claim that it was 20 to 30 feet long. I don't know how they came with that number. 
Dr. Darren Nash, who was a zoologist and also wrote a book called Hunting Monsters. Oh, nice. Analyze this video. That, to me, is an expert because he's a zoologist. He also notes the great distance the footage was taken from. Like, he said this was really far away. Uh, okay, yeah. And that's something that's so important to, to note. Yeah. He also claims, quote, they're nothing more than unidentifiable specks on the water, and there's no indication that we're seeing anything that's especially large or unusual in shape. Based on how boats look from the same approximate location distance, the object must be small. I estimate less than 50 centimeters long. I see no reason that they can't be birds. Probably ducks. Yeah. The wakes they leave on the surface look interesting, but wakes of this sort are common in the locked surface when conditions are right. End quote. That, to me, sounds very reasonable because I'm not an expert, and these were my first indications. I was like, mm-hmm. it's anything. But here's the thing. And I'm not trying to come at you like from a really weird conspiracy like believer kind of perspective. But again, we did talk about how like you can't see everything that they were able to see. True. Okay. Very fair. Also, he's assuming he, there's a lot of assumptions. He's putting all his knowledge and his brain to create the perfect scenario in which something small could create such a giant wake. But he, even he doesn't know how fast the the lake was running, what was under there. True. whatever how fast it was going it no one really knows anything the only thing we know is the the couple who filmed it saying it looked big from <laughs> up here <laughs> yeah that's very that's yeah. very fair to say i think the most important thing about nasha's explanation is that wakes like this weird looking mysterious wakes are very common in loch ness in 1952, John Cobb died while trying to achieve the water speed record. His boat struck Jeez. an unexplained wake, causing <gasps> it to crash. It's a well-known tragedy that kind of makes the point that these wakes aren't always a sign of Nessie. They kind of happen all the time. Uh... So let's imagine that these wakes were being caused by a monster. If they're this common, you would assume more people would have actually gotten clear obvious sightings and or footage of these because they happen so regularly it could also be something that's just just below the water if it's big enough i agree and my yeah. thoughts are what if this is just what happens when eels or fish that are there get towards the surface and and like he said when the conditions are just right yeah. like maybe they just saw a beautiful time where the conditions were just right that's true and so what you said i think is very relevant but I think we have a famous instance where people are like, we don't know where this weight came from. It was unexpected, and a guy died from it. Yeah, not cool, Nessie, not cool. But I do want to point out to all of you, I am not trying to be a poor sport. I want more than anything for <laughs> Nessie to exist. Nessie might be one of my favorite cryptids, cryptids yeah. it, in all existence. I love it. I want it to exist. And if someone gave me like good footage, I would be salivating over it. I'd be so excited. I just think that this footage and the sensational article, I mean, it was from the Daily Mail, which everyone considers a kind of a trashy news site. Yeah. For them to say, best footage in 20 years, we've proven that Nessie existed. It didn't prove anything at all. We've proven. Yeah. I love it. So, I'd just like to say that if I know my girl Nessie, it's that she- (laughs) Sorry, girl Nessie. She ain't gonna uh, try to make her grand entrance at 6am on a Monday with a little ripple. No. If she's gonna do it, it's gonna be grand and it's gonna be in your face. It's gonna be glorious. But it does mean I have some bad news for you. Oh any, no, Any what? of you that are good at using cameras, I'm sorry to say you're overqualified and you will never see anything amazing. <laughs> 
That so, is a shame. So get bad with your camera so you can start seeing amazing things. See, I've seen a lot of things in my camera. Usually it's my finger. So I feel like I qualify <laughs> for... Roswell, I should. I need. I should go to Roswell 1. And I should go back to Loch Ness and then just see what happens. So that was that was a recent news story, and I got another one for you that I think is interesting. I hope you guys dig it too. This one's a little bit for you, uh, sciencey nerds. <laughs> I was actually working on another story, but a lot of important things happened in the last few weeks that are time sensitive, so I had to prioritize this. So. Get out your tinfoil hats because it's time for an end of episode encounter, encounter, encounter. Oh, hell yeah. I've been waiting for one. Okay, here we go. A scientific paper was published in April 2022. That's right, last month. <laughs> that states an object of interstellar origin impacted the water just off the coast of Papua New Guinea. <gasps> I love that place. We love Papua. We, <laughs> we've heard it pronounced so weird. So there's one guy who called it like pa- Papua. Papua. Yeah, but Papua New Guinea. This impact was said to have occurred all the way back in 2014. Big year. Year we got married, by the way. Ayo. In case you forgot. <laughs> I always do. The big question is why are we only hearing about this now? Well, part of that is actually the most intriguing part. Harvard astrophysicist Dr. Avi Loeb and Amir Siraj actually submitted this paper to Archive, which is spelled A-R-X-I-V, back in 2019. That archive Wait, is where people put a lot of like scientific and mathematical papers that aren't necessarily peer-reviewed or peer-reviewed yet. And it's um, freely available to the public. It's it's kind of cool. It's kind of oh, like that's fucking cool. It's kind of like a Wikipedia for these kinds of papers, but most of them there are not peer reviewed or at least peer reviewed yet. But they are written by professionals in professional manners and are open to being peer reviewed. Yeah. Okay. Fair. I'm, I just discovered this site. I'm going to spend a lot of time. I was going to say like you got to send me that. It's pretty like, awesome. I can't, I'm, I'm not going to remember. These are real scientific papers. Like they're they're scholarly type, meaning heavy math, heavy science. They are dense to get into. Ooh. Yeah. So they submitted it to the archive back in 2019, three years ago. It was a, you know, a non-peer-reviewed submission, as most things on archive are. However, its publication was stalled. It did not pop up. Mm-hmm. It was submitted because the paper actually contained data that was classified by the <gasps> U.S. government. Oh, my gosh. Right? What? It was so exciting to me. Like, <sighs> government interference, and oh all of a sudden, God. like... My ears pop up and I'm like, tell me more. And then like my anxiety increased. I think I feel it in the air now. I'm scared. Let's do Not this. Not necessarily nefarious, but we gotta just, Aliens just, are always nefarious to me. Now I tried to read this paper, but the level of math used in its trajectory calculations is definitely high. And as far as I can tell, the issue was that the object detection data used was from US government readings and not civilian based equipment. Okay. So these these I don't exactly know how so, these I, professors the, these Harvard professors got this data, mm-hmm. but they were able to analyze government data, calculate that this object came into sensors, went through, but it was government data that was not released to the public. But the, the assumption is it would have been accurate or like as accurate as it could be. Absolutely, there was yeah. no there was no question that the data was doctored, altered, okay. or or weird. But it seems like they had this data. They Wanted to post paper, but it got stopped because, like, you can't. This is government stuff that has not been released to the public. But, like, wait, so, okay. So he just had access to it and didn't realize it was- I d- Yeah, I wasn't. I was trying to find out how he got access okay. because my two sources was actual paper where he didn't discuss where he got it. Like, he discussed 
he's discussed well, how the the data itself, but he didn't say how I got access to the data. And then the other half of it was through a popular news site leaking, uh, linking to it, which I think was metro.co.uk. And so they didn't, I don't even think they cared about that information. So I still am trying to find out how he got a hold of this data. Well, the idea, so you said he was an astrophysicist, right? And, at Harvard. At Harvard. My assumption is that maybe this information was just like available to him. Yes. Because he has, he probably has like a lot more clearance than, you know, obviously you and I. It's a, you it's a reasonable assumption. You literally can't even get into Harvard without an ID. So my, 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 in my brain, I'm like, he probably had this information, thought it was fine, uh, I'd like to it. point out that you and me walked around Harvard. Outside. We yeah. couldn't get in any of the buildings. It's true. <laughs> but we felt really, really smart while we oh, were Oh, yeah. There. I was like, look at me. I'm drinking coffee. Yeah. I was like, I bet I could tie my shoes so fast here. <laughs> I didn't have to, though, because I tie my shoes once and I don't until I get a new pair of shoes. I'm, so. like, pretty sure our cue went down for thinking that. So <laughs> We did go get drunk afterwards, so we, we burned away everything that was good. Hello. Anyway. So I'm not sure quite how they got access to the data, but they did. And it wasn't until government officials could review the data that they were using and confirm that it wasn't being interfered with or giving away information about government projects or government tests or anything like that right. that they were able to you know say yes we can release this data because that means all this information that they had and their sensors there was probably sensitive shit going on or around this area and so they're like you can't just throw this data out there we might have important stuff there which actually intrigues me more i'm like what are you what are you, what are you guys doing out there <laughs> yeah what are you guys doing where an object that looks like it crash landed into the world you're like wait a minute we got to we got to hold up for a second. Does that like, like affect some of us? I, I think. was like, is that close to shit that you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, what's <laughs> happening this on purpose? Here? Is it my house? I don't know. So you could let your mind go wild with the whole smoke and mirrors thing there and decide what you want. I know I did. And I know my buddy Rob out there is doing the same thing. We've hey got, yo, got our ideas. So the Department of Defense released a memo on the 1st of March, 2022, two months ago, acknowledging this data, acknowledging the impact and stated that it was a meteor coming from a hyperbolic orbit and had a 99.99 recurring percent chance of being an extrasolar object. And by extrasolar, that means it not, was not from our solar right. system. So we see asteroids and stuff and comets all the time, but they're still within our solar system. This means it came from somewhere else, and that's a really... That's fucking cool. ...really big deal. And so... The, this memo also acknowledged that this object predated the discovery of the the Oumuamua by three <gasps> years. Now, for you longtime listeners, I talked about Oumuamua episode 11. I remember the ago. Oumuamua because I fucking love that word. And I just, I yeah, it was, a, it was one of my favorite episodes. So that was the, what most people consider the first verified extrasolar object meaning it was a weird meteor that mm -hmm. came in from another solar system and it's a very weird meteor because it's shaped kind of like a cigar yeah and it's it appears kind of smooth and shiny but it's kind of hard because you know getting a good image of its heart but it's got a weird trajectory <laughs> and it's it we know it's from somewhere else and and there's all kinds of theories i talked a lot about it in episode 11 you should go back i mean i'm sure we sound a lot less experienced back then but you should totally <laughs> listen to that episode it's there but that means that this object crash landed into Earth years before we even discovered that object. Yep, yep. So that makes it super, and super it just, exciting. It makes you think what else is on our planet. I mean, like, are we really observing every rock? Uh-huh. Yeah, one of my first thoughts structure? was, 
how often has this happened and we don't know? And that made me... Scared? Like, <laughs> Uneasy? I, I was going to say tickled. Oh, Because my. I get excited by this stuff. For me, it's uh, cool, cool, cool. I kind of hate this. <laughs> Most of my inner cockles is very much under the assumption once we discover, and I think it's a, a time or, or prove that aliens exist and whatnot, it's not going to be a scary, they're cutting up our cows and abducting well, us. Well, I'm thing. not saying that. No. I just, I'm, I'm terrified of things just like flying into our atmosphere. So I think, I, I get what you're saying, but I think this could be a puzzle piece to the future. Well, that's a nice optimistic so it is predicted to have been just under a half meter in diameter, so tiny, mm. but traveling at a speed of 60 kilometers a second. Very fast. Yep, yep, yep. It might not seem like that big of an object, but considering it came from out of the solar system, that's quite the feat. Can you imagine something that small and it's just coming from so far and then it manages to hit our planet? I mean, the- Not just hit our planet. We were able to detect it hitting our planet. Yeah. And nowhere. So the the fact that it, okay, yeah. I can imagine something that small hurling through space only because how big it is, I, I, I honestly cannot even comprehend. So my assumption is that's possible, I guess. But hitting our planet, that one was, that's unique. I think it's even more unique that we were of a level of technology that we were able to detect it hitting our planet when it was that small and that coming from Well, that see, now away. I just feel like it's an attack. <laughs> Rude. It's like an alien with like a BB gun just it's being like, like a really immature alien. It's, like, it's totally on their TikTok. The yeah. like, I hit it, dude. Did you get that? <laughs> oh no. So the article, like I mentioned, the pop news article that was on Metro.co.uk, interviewed this Harvard professor, uh, Avi Loeb, Avi Loeb. I'm not sure if it's Avi or Avi, uh, about the object to which he had this to say: "Quote." Once collected, we could place our hands around sizable chunks of interstellar matter and examine its composition and nature. The ocean on site is a couple kilometers deep, and the impact region is uncertain to within 10 kilometers. But an expedition to explore this region of meteor fragments is feasible, and we are currently engaged in designing it. The fundamental question is whether any interstellar meteor might indicate a composition that is unambiguously artificial in origin. <gasps> Better still, perhaps some technological components would survive the impact? My dream is to press some buttons on a functional piece of equipment that was manufactured outside of Earth. End quote. Aww. So to me, it sounds like Loeb holds even an inkling of hope that this isn't just some random hunk of rock yeah. or meteor. He hopes, and it's a hope, not a fact, not a guarantee, that it might actually have an artificial alien origin. That is so cute. But that isn't to say that his opinion should be taken as a fact. It is just an opinion and maybe more a dream well, than obviously, anything else. We all have opinions and dreams. And we can all always say that, you know, this guy's obviously very smart, you know, PhD, uh, a doctorate at Harvard. But, you know, sometimes that kind of intelligence comes with some eccentricities. So <laughs> this guy's saying we detected a meteor and he's like, I wonder if it's got space buttons on it. So first of all, I like to point out. You don't have to be smart to be eccentric. So. It's true. But smart people are allowed to be eccentric. Well, at least they're contributing. <laughs> Dumb eccentric people usually get shunned. They're just crazy. <laughs> they're just crazy. <laughs> so I definitely think it would be difficult to find this object in the depths of water they anticipate. I mean, a 10 kilometer radius yeah. and multiple kilometers deep. I, I don't even know if they're even going to be able to find this. 
But, I mean, how many missing boats and planes can we not find? And I'm assuming the area in which they're missing is probably about as big. I don't have facts or figures to back that up. I'm just <laughs> postulating here. So I still think finding a one and a half meter rock underwater near other rocks rough. might be kind of hard. But I want them to find it. And but I support it. But it's also it. like the resources and time that people are willing to put into. I, 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 I totally think that when a plane crashes people are really worried but there's this assumption that there are no survivors yes and so i don't know depending on which sea or country nearby or wherever it is it landed how much effort is putting into but if it's like sure. a government money that's money research yeah <clears throat> it's amazing what research grants can get away with sometimes yeah. it's amazing cool. what you can find <laughs> so let's say they do go on an expedition and they do recover it as a science geek, I'd still be incredibly excited, even if it was just an, quote, unremarkable, end quote, meteor, made of the same stuff we find on Earth. Its history alone would make it incredible, and I'd want a little piece of it. But, as far-fetched as it might seem, I can't deny the tingle of excitement at the notion, no matter how far-fetched, that we could find something with evidence of artificial creation. But that also brings up a rather sad thought. Imagine traveling for millions of years through empty space and finally coming across a planet with intelligent life and you crash into the water. Yeah. But maybe it wasn't a ship. It was a hunk of exploding planet like Krypton and we're just seeing the remnants of a Aww. dead civilization. And that is my comic book self coming out and I apologize. Is that Superman? That's Superman. Okay. <laughs> I was like, where the fuck am I? Yeah. So just imagine how, as you said earlier, and this was this was my end line. So Ooh. so you you hit it first because you're you're on the same wavelength as me. You said, <laughs> just imagine how many of these objects have impacted the Earth, and we don't know about it yet. Yeah, but scary. So those are my two news stories for the day. Recent stuff had to catch up with them so that you know you guys knew what apparently has been happening the last couple months. Gallbladder. Loch Ness Monster apparently exists, and, and uh, a po potential UFO slash meteor crash landed in Papua New Guinea. Papua. Papua. <laughs> I, I fucking love this story. I loved both stories, actually. One, because it's one's close to my heart. Nessie, you're in my heart. You and have a... <laughs> okay, so it's not even a real shot glass. You bought what it's supposed to hold, like an egg, so you It's can like just the egg, egg cracker holder... Yeah, yeah. So but it's like Nessie around like a little egg holder cup. I think it came with the spoon, but I lost the spoon. And you've just been using it as a shot glass. Yes. The hardest <laughs> to clean shot glass in the history of the world, but you've been using it as Nessie a shot glass. Nessie is worth it, is all I'm saying. It's a really great shot glass. It really is. We both love Nessie, <laughs> and I would love more than anything for her to exist. And I want to see a UFO, so ah, just exciting stuff that I thought I'd share with you listeners and hope you found them as exciting as I did. Yeah, I'm just excited that you shared those stories with me. Because you said that they've been, like, on your mind. Because, obviously, uh -huh. they're a little late in as far as, like, news-wise. They were within the last couple of months. So. But they were in the last couple of months. We probably should have, like, talked about them earlier. But bear with us. Gallbladder. <laughs> gallbladder, guys. Gallbladder. He has he has sans organ at this point. So Still kicking, though. See Still how kicking. long. <laughs> but I think that brings our episode to a close this week. Thank you guys for joining us, and I hope some of you were pleasantly creeped out by the stories this week. If you have any comments, questions, or personal scary stories you want to share, drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. We post episodes every week as best we can. And for <laughs> those of you listening to us at work or while driving, we hope you have a great day. And for those of you that are drinking, we hope your tomorrow isn't too rough. And if you're listening to us because you did have too much fun last night and you are suffering today, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover... 
is fear. Bye.